Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. The Michigan football team will have two new coordinators next season as offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis has now left Michigan for the University of Miami. We discuss the reasons behind the departure and what it means for Michigan going forward. Plus some basketball talk, men and women, on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, as we talk here on Monday afternoon, February 7th, maybe Tuesday is when folks are actually going to get this in their preferred podcast platform. But our first order of business is Josh Gaddis leaving Michigan voluntarily for Miami. And I think when you're at Michigan, it's always a little bit of a surprise if you go to another college to do the same job. But here we are. And how did we, my first question is, how did we get here? Aaron, start with you. That's, I guess, a good question. Uh, I'd start with the last month, maybe the last couple of weeks, more specifically, I guess, if you listen to Josh Gaddis or heed his words. The last month in, in Jim Harbaugh's kind of flirtation talk with the NFL, is certainly there was certainly some concern there that, you know, him talking with NFL teams and potentially taking an NFL job would obviously, you know, uh, prompt his staff to look elsewhere, look for jobs elsewhere, because that's the reality of the situation. If your boss, the person that hired you directly at somewhere, ends up leaving for another job and they don't take you with you should be very worried for your job because especially in the sports world where coaches are hired and fired and everything else changeover happens a lot so if you're josh gaddis you know his name has come up in the past couple of years uh you know for head coaching jobs he was considered a finalist for you know the the head coaching job at virginia you know it, the, the expectation was that whether if it if it wasn't this year it was probably be next year he'd get a head coaching job somewhere However, you know, Jim Harbaugh comes back from his interview with the Vikings, does, doesn't get the offer, so he's staying. But then there's this, apparently this back channel, um, you know, Gaddis gets word that he, you know, and I'll, I guess I'll read the text message he sent out to players yesterday. It was a long-winded one, but he said, you know, the players, at least in part, he said, unfortunately, the past few weeks has told a different story to me about the very little appreciation I have here from administration. In life, I would never advise anyone to be where they are not wanted. You can take that any which way, and Josh Gaddis hasn't had an opportunity or no one's at least asked him to explain his message but I, I get the vibe from that that he wasn't happy with the way the last couple of weeks has panned out with, with with regards to Jim Harbaugh potentially leaving and Michigan looking for a replacement you know there have been talks that Josh maybe might have been up for the head coaching job had had Harbaugh left you know I, I gather from that text message he he wasn't at least seriously considered or nothing was communicated to him and he was not happy about it yeah I mean I'll go back to kind of what I said when Gaddis won the Broyles award in the first place I mean I, 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 yes he is the offensive coordinator um, but I, I think it, the, the growth of the offense also had a lot to do with, with assistant coaches as well. So it, it definitely seemed like Gettys was never a long-term option in Ann Arbor, whatever the role would be. And I mean, you even saw on the recruiting trail in the past couple cycles, his activity on the recruiting trail definitely declined as well. So it, it definitely seemed like he was on his way out eventually to kind of see it go him go to Miami in the same roles a little bit surprising but the fact that he's leaving Michigan in, in my eyes isn't isn't all that much of a shock something and I said this to you guys I remember at the beginning of this past season that it, it seemed like Michigan was going in a different direction from Josh Gash you mentioned him being off the recruiting trail he's been off the recruiting trail for the better part of the last season they moved him up to the box to call plays during games, which in a, in a in a vacuum doesn't sound like a big deal, but Josh actually made it a big deal his first year here in Ann Arbor. If you recall back here in 2019, and we wrote about it at the time, 
you know, Josh started up in the box calling plays. And remember, he'd never been a, a offensive coordinator play caller before. And right away, he he realized that he needed to move to the sideline because he felt like he needed to be closer to players in terms of interaction and, and just kind of reading their, their minds and the like. Well, that started differently this year. He's up in the box. So it almost seemed like Michigan was pushing him away from the program, from recruits. You know, we're not at liberty at this point to say the, the reasons behind that, but there, there, there are rumors floating out there about him. So, you know, things had changed. Well put. <laughs> yeah. And, it, things had changed, and then you and then you saw as the season went on, the offense wasn't what Josh Gaddis you know envisioned when he first got here. Remember when he got here in nineteen, it was all about speed and space, uh, distributing the football as quick as possible, getting multiple guys involved. It was clear he was recruiting a different type of receiver, um, that kind of you know the, the speedier type of guy. He was trying to transform Michigan's offense, and the last year or so things that kind of reverted back to what we'd seen previously under Jim Harbaugh in that smash mouth style of football, ground and pound, you know, run the football a ton. That just wasn't what Josh Gass wanted to do. So I don't know what happened. I'm assuming Josh is a pretty great shooter. He's pretty, pretty transparent. I suspect at some point in time, he will address the situation. But when it came down to it, it didn't sound like it was a marriage made in, in heaven here. I think there were some issues there internally. Keep in mind, he when he first got here, he was the sole play caller and the sole offensive so coordinator that changed the beginning of the 2021 season when they promoted Sharon Moore to offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator to try and give Josh some help. So it, it wasn't by the end of it, it wasn't all Josh Gaddis's show. Yeah, and, and we've talked about a lot too about how, how some of the guys on mission staff right now have a future in as a coordinator, most likely. And and I think Sharon Moore is, is definitely one of those guys. I mean, whoever you talk to, they constantly say that. Terrell Moore is a, is a budding star in, in the college football game. And you can see it on the recruiting trail. You can see it in the development from the positions he's coached. I mean, the offensive line this year was outstanding in the first year that since he, he switched over there. And I, I think he, if there's one coach that can really, is really good at building relationships with players and recruits, it, it is Terrell Moore too. Matt Weiss seems like he, he could be a candidate to, to become a, an offensive quarter one day, possibly even at, at Michigan too. So it's not like now that Dallas is leaving, Michigan has to scramble and, and find and completely change things and, and go fishing for uh, for a new coordinator when, when there are some potential options internally too. It, it is kind of surprising that the, the top assistant coach, Broyles Award winner, is leaving in February, but I, again... I, I don't think it's the end of the world for Michigan. And, and like we've said, this it seems like the writing was on the wall here for over the last little bit. Yeah. I mean, I remember our podcast when we uh, hit on that that award. Um, and, uh, you know, you guys, at least I remember, I remember perfectly you guys talking about how, uh, you know. He wasn't even the best assistant on staff. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh. So, so yeah, I mean, look, he came in in 2019. He had the 2020 season. And now you have the 2021 season. And the 2021 season was a major breakthrough for, for Michigan. And the offense was, was, I mean, we talked about some of their shortcomings, but they were still very good. And, you know, you just, again, what's, what's kind of the, let's, let's separate the, separate out the factors here. Gaddis had been here for three years. A lot of these other guys were, were new. So maybe it was more about the new faces than about the old one, but I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, when, when John Beeline left Michigan, now they have a head coaching job open. And, you know, some of the assistants who were there, you know, interviewed for the job, applied for the job, interviewed for the job and didn't get it. And, you know, you got Luke Yaklitz chose to, to go elsewhere. Others stuck around to see whether they'd, they'd be retained or not. The, the major difference here with Gaddis is that the head coach didn't actually leave. So there's no way Michigan was was conducting actual interviews to, to find their replacement, even if they were you know putting their list together for, for who those guys would be. And the other, second thing, which Aaron already touched on, 
is the text message that Josh Gaddis set out. As far as we know, these other assistants didn't put out, you know, something like that. I don't know. It came off to me as, as kind of petty and unnecessary because like at the end of the day, he chose to leave. He's getting reportedly more money from Miami. He'll have more, I don't want to say he'll have more autonomy with the offense, but at least from an outside perspective, it'll seem like he's the guy running the show as opposed to at Michigan. There were always the questions of whether Harbaugh was, was really the guy, the brains behind the operation, or in some case, meddling, however you want to put it. So like you could see how it's a better opportunity in a way, even if it's a lateral move. So I, I'm just not sure why he felt the need to to put that out there, but he did. He did, and I think it, it gives us a glimpse of kind of maybe what was going on behind the scenes. I, I'm really curious to see if, if he eventually addresses that, whether it's in a, you know, a press conference at Miami or whatever the case may be. You know, keep in mind, a lot of times with these situations, coaches do interact with their kid, with their players, whether it's through text message or phone call or in person, whatever the case may be. A lot of times, those, those conversations just aren't leaked to the media. In, yeah. in this case, it was, which I, I think goes to show maybe some of the, the internal frustration or concerns with, with, with Gaddis going out the door um so it's it's a weird situation i i think and i had a conversation with this with somebody yesterday about this but i think if josh had left for head coaching job like last month i don't think we'd be, be spending so much time on this because he was expected just to go elsewhere and get a jo another job elsewhere but the fact that he's going to miami like you guys said for a similar job offensive coordinates essential lateral move although i would say i'd probably rather live in miami than i would ann arbor just for the weather and everything else you know it, it's it's an odd situation you know it's not the first time we've seen a jim harbaugh assistant leave for a lateral move i mean chris partridge did it a couple years ago and he yep. was position coach to become you know co-defensive coordinator i guess you, you can make the argument at the time it was a step up but it wasn't a pay increase uh so sometimes people leave for different reasons josh you know we we kind of we have a glimpse at least of what were some of his more motivating factors here keep in mind he still had one year left on his contract and he signed a an extension last spring that extended him through the 2022 season so he, he had at least another year you know on, here at michigan do um there was an expectation that he was probably going to sign a new deal with another pay raise just based on the year that michigan had you know assuming jim still wanted him around so it, it, it is an odd situation either way jim has like you guys said this like the defensive coordinator situation he has to is to find a new offensive coordinator you know we, we talked about this last week i think with mcdonald leaving you know potentially jim looking internally i think that's still a possibility but i think more so with the offensive coordinator situation i it would not be surprised me if michigan stays in house you know matt weiss you mentioned him ryan he, i think he some people have reported him as being the potential front runner which i think is fascinating he's never been a coordinator before and a lot of time at the nfl level is kind of a position coach um but he seems to be a guy who jim harbaugh has leaned on a lot the last 12 months almost like a right-hand man situation so but you can't i don't think you can i don't think you can eliminate sharon more either i mean technically sharon is co-offensive coordinator at this point so i, I think yep. whoever jim hires and again we talked about this a few weeks ago with the defensive coordinator position whoever jim ends up being hires as the coordinator is going to have a co-coordinator help him out so i i think however which way this shakes out sharon Moore is going to get more responsibility probably some play calling duties but he i, I don't think he'd be the only guy so this is gonna be a fascinating thing how this turns out like we talked about with the defensive coordinator situation time is of the essence here it's now february 7th as we record this they're set to start pre i mean we haven't seen the schedule yet for spring but i suspect six seven weeks out out now so they're gonna have to make a move and all all counts say that jim is beginning the interview process uh, i think today it, it, i remember when matt weiss was hired and as like quarterback stroach and then we get his salary and said wow that's a lot of money for 
for a quarterback's coach, but then I think that kind of showed how much he means to, to Jim Harbaugh and how much Harbaugh kind of relies on him. But yeah, I, I too would be surprised because it seems like Sharon Moore is the more experienced candidate out of the two at the college level, at least. So, and, and, and it seems like mission, I mean, as far as stardom goes that, I mean, mission should do everything they can to keep Sharon Moore on the staff. So I, I would have to believe if, if they do go with the in-house candidates that, that Sharon would at least keep the the co-coordinator title, but I guess only time will tell. But what, what if you had a handicap at what percentage do you think that mission stays internally for let's let's do offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator at this point? I, I think there's a greater a greater chance here they stay in-house offensively than they do defensively. Uh, you know, since we last recorded our podcast talking defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter's name has come up for the potential defensive coordinator position. He's the now the defensive coordinator at Vanderbilt, another former Raider or 49er staffer, so someone Jim is, you know, familiar at least familiar with and has some folks he can lean on for, for advice and the like. Um, but I, I think at this point, they're probably going to stay in-house with the offensive coordinator position. You know, I was thinking about Strone yesterday and given the time, and this goes back to the time crunch here, you know, if you do elevate Sharon Moore to being the, the main offensive coordinator and give him those play calling duties and, and the like, does Michigan have enough time to go find a reputable offensive line coach to fill that spot? Because here's a real, here's the here's the argument against that. You give Sharon all those duties and responsibilities. I don't think he's have enough time to work with the offensive lineman like he had last year. So you either have to move someone in that role or find someone else. So I, I think Michigan probably they would probably be better off, you know, say they do go the Matt Weiss route. I think they're better off, you know, finding a, a quarterback's coach under short notice and they would finding an offensive line coach. And I think that's those are some of those parameters and some of those variables you've got to think about with, with it being, you know, February 7th right now. Don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul, as they say. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Michigan gets back. It's uh, Jay Ira and Nikki Harris family head football coach, but loses its Matthew and Nicole Lester family defensive coordinator and Sanford Robinson oh offensive coordinator here in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do it. Get a rise out of you guys. I love it. If you would have uh, asked me what those names were, I would have not. Oh, I'm on. I'm on the MGO Blue Plates right now. There's no way I knew those off the top of my head. Uh, although you know, you see them in the emails. You see them in the emails. So yeah, that's that's where we're at here. Could see you know co. Uh, based on what you guys are saying, kind of co-coordinators, potentially on both sides of the ball. But it may be that the the search come, the, the outsiders are coming in to then fill the like, lower level, if you will, assistant jobs, you know, should a position coach move up. You would be looking for a new quarterback's coach then in well, that case. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. One more thing with while we're talking coordinators and potential replacements. Don't be surprised if you see another swapping of coaches here, like another shakeup here in the offseason. I would not be surprised with Gaddis now gone. Michigan now needs a receivers coach, too. Now, you know, Ron Bellamy, when he was first hired last year, he was originally tapped to help mm-hmm. Josh Gass as a receivers coach. Don't be surprised if you see Bellamy move over to the offensive side of the ball, and that would open up another uh, potential position coach for the new defensive coordinator, whoever that ends up being. So don't be surprised if you, if you see some shuffling. Jay Harbaugh's name has come up with, again, moving positions potentially. It would not surprise me if you, you see another shuffling by the end of this month, early March bunch of names uh moved around again hey harbaugh might run the whole gamut by the time his michigan career's over <laughs> every single position it seems like he's, he's coached he'll be prepared to be a yeah. coach one day it sounds like with that track record all right so we've got that covered we, we said we we're going to talk a, a little hoops uh as well we can start with the men just because you know did did get word earlier today uh the big 10 is still not put out like an actual email but <laughs> michigan's uh schedule has, has updated to reflect that next week's game at 
Iowa has been moved from Thursday to Tuesday. And if you're like, why? Michigan doesn't have any problems. Iowa doesn't have like, why are they bumping a game up? And it seems like it's just sort of a domino effect of, of other games. You know, you know, Michigan's now set with, with their schedule for now, at least as far as they, they've already rescheduled their makeup games. And Iowa is too, but they had a game they missed earlier in the, in the season. And, and Ohio State had... There's been COVID and weather problems, you know, all over the Big Ten lately. So I think it's more of like, you know, this team needed to move this game. So then they had to reshuffle this other game. And and here we are now with Michigan playing. They just played Saturday at Purdue, lost. We'll play Tuesday night at Penn State, Thursday Purdue, Saturday Ohio State, Tuesday Iowa. It's, it's a lot of games in a short amount of time. It puts a little more gap between the two road trips to Iowa City and, and Madison on February 20th. But yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of games here in a, in a in a short amount of time. So so yeah, that's a schedule change. You know, on the on the men's side, I don't know. It's at this point now the the, the most recent game is, is a few days old. The game at Purdue, listen, Purdue's the number one offense in the country, and, and they looked like it for much of the afternoon. Just you know, the the two two headed monster inside, and then Jaden Ivy is is just an unbelievable talent. So yeah, Michigan loses. Uh, you know, one of its its first opportunities here down the stretch to get a marquee win, and it'll. But it has it has several more. Purdue again this week. You know, Ohio State is up there in, in the in the net rankings. Uh, you know, games at Iowa and Wisconsin. You know, with the quad one. Um, you know, Michigan State, Illinois comes to Chrysler. Like they just have to get some of these wins. That's the that's the bottom line if they want to make the NCAA tournament. And mean, meanwhile, the the women they played uh Sunday night beat Iowa have now moved up to number four in the poll. And you know, I, I couldn't make the game, but but Ryan was there. And, you know, I, I, I was messaging him beforehand, getting him like hyped up for this Caitlin Clark show. And I, I won't say exactly what he said during the first quarter of this game in, in a message, but he was not, you know, he was not, it's, it had seemed like I had overhyped her perhaps based on his response. Let's put it that way. Well, by the end of the game, Ryan, I think you could say. I, I, uh, I ate I some crow. <laughs> What oh. a she scores 25 points. I mean, it was Steph Curry. It was Steph Curry out there, basically, is what you were watching. Um, just pulling up from literally just inside half court and just draining threes. Yeah. Um, all, all balanced, contested shot. Oh, I was like, what what is hat? Like, what where was this in the first half? Like in the first half, she was forcing things, airballed like an open look. And I'm like, what what yeah, like Andrew, what is what's all this hype about? And then all of a sudden, yeah, that was uh, that was the most insane. 13 minute performance I, I watched in person, I think in, in my basketball and the years I've covered any sort of basketball, that was incredible. And Michigan was lucky. Luckily they built a 25 point lead in right. the third quarter there. Cause they got down to five points late and it was all because of Caitlin Clark. I mean, I think that just kind of says it all about this women's team. Like in the past, recently they've been shutting down and you know, turning these great scorers, great scoring teams and, and holding them well under their average, like Iowa in the end, they couldn't really keep them down. But, you know, they hit 90-some points and, and, and win the game. So it's like they, they have so many different ways to, to win games. They find ways to win instead of finding ways to lose. You know, they're, they're, they were down a starter. I know I know Iowa was shorthanded, but, you know, Michigan was out w- without its second-leading scorer in Leah Brown, and Layla Filia comes off the bench and has a career performance. Yeah, 20, 24 points for her and, and, and was really effective in, in a lot of a lot of areas. It was, it was surprising. Yeah, her career high going into the game was 12 points, and then yeah. she kind of busted out for, for 24 Nas Hillman was, was strong once again. And it's like, yeah, like you've said, this team has depth like it hasn't had in the past. And it, and it's really helping the Wolverines here this year. And there's, it's a big reason why they're now a top five team for the first time in, in program history as well. You know, I'd, I'd love to see, I wish there was like, you know, Ken Palm stats for, for the women's game, just as far, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, the programs themselves are keeping it just as far as like, you know, offensive rebounding 
percentage is the thing you know how many how many misses does a, a team and then an individual player get like on the men's side the leader is at 20 percent um he's actually uh, you know zach ed is right up there he's number two that that the men's team just faced at, at purdue like grab it as far as number of misses he grabs like not hillman it's got to be at least that i mean she had she had seven offensive rebounds on on sunday and i went back to the play-by-play i mean they all resulted in points either she puts it right back in or she gets fouled or you know then a teammate grabs it it was, it was it's just unbelievable how like you know that's what she's great at and yet teams cannot stop her at all they they mission has absolutely dominated the boards all year i mean they're now 18 and 0 and they out rebound the opponent and like the last two games against ranked opponents, they have severely out-rebounded them. I mean, Indiana, I think it was like a 50 to 22 margin, something around there. Um, Sunday, it was 44 to 27 advantage. And when you're getting these second chance looks and when you're, you're getting on the defensive floor and you're getting that those rebounds, it's, it's really helps. It's a big reason why their defensively mission was number one in the conference heading into heading into Sunday. And I actually had at halftime written on my game story, ready to go. Like Michigan holds Iowa to a season <laughs> low in points. And all of a sudden, and Iowa Little did he those, know. Yeah, I was still scored more than their average of like 84.2. So, but yeah, it's still uh still a huge win and, and mission. I yeah, mission almost into a hundred points with, without their second leading store is whew, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, you're not a sports writer until you've completely rewritten a game story just on the fly. I mean, (laughs) especially in basketball, it's going to happen often. So yeah, here they are. They're in they're in prime position again for Big Ten title, for certainly hosting games in the NCAA tournament, but you know potentially getting up to that two seed line, that one seed line. uh, You know they're they're creeping there. They're number four in the country. Yeah, we'll see another you know a week of uh, a road games for for the team this week. Yeah, they're they're extremely impressive and meanwhile you know like i said the men will be searching for those wins to get them in the mix for getting an at-large bid as things stand right now um they're just not there i have a a story up on mlive.com published monday morning you know kind of citing that teams you need to be pretty much four games above 500 to get that bid and you know as if you just kind of go down the line of what michigan is expected to do it would it would end up being just two games over 500 so they need they need to uh turn some expected losses into wins here down the stretch the opportunities are there you just have to seize them all right well that's it for this episode of wolverine confidential podcast thank you for listening